Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first let's hear from our podcast sponsors. We want to say thanks to Final Forms for their support of the Educational AD Podcast. Final Forms is the industry leader in registration, but you need to know this. Final Forms is more than just registration. Final Forms is a team, it's technology, and it's a service that serves schools with compliance, communication, and risk management solutions. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility, has reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and forms for athletics. Also, can help with team communication, with attendance, and even certification management for coaches. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help with eligibility, with rosters, and all the reports that come across your desk. And it does this using secure language translation and ADA compliance. You know, it's time for you to talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what Final Forms can do for you, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. Once again, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake and see how you can get started and become a member of the Final Forms team. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Remember at Huddle, we power sports. Over 200,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate the performance of their teams using video and analytics. Huddle is the complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras like the Huddle Focus. There's always been analytics, but there's a whole lot more. Huddle is also built for every level of play, from club and youth programs, all the way through high school and college teams, and even the pros are using Huddle to help their teams play at the highest level. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes, a lot of their parents, and the college coaches that you're trying to get to recruit your kids. You want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your program and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. We also want to say thanks to Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products, or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Go to violetdefense.com for more information about their great products. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year, while also creating excitement in the gym and the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. 
And we want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They provide a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles, along with an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Or learn more, get started with your digital Wall of Fame tribute. Call them at 614-981-3589, or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. For commercials. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can find out more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your school by going to Hometown Ticketing and talk to their experts. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the Athletic Director's Toolbox segment in our podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also gives the 95% of the parents and the student-athletes who really love your program a voice, and it lets them share the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials, and then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466 or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're going to take a trip to Louisiana, haven't been there for a while, and we're going to visit with Ben De Palma. Ben is the athletic director at Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, and we're excited to hear what's going on. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. And we, uh, I think we connected uh, at uh, NADC, and we, we talked about getting you on the podcast for a while, so I'm glad we were finally able to do it. Um, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And, and maybe how your path has led you now to uh, Catholic High in Baton Rouge. Yeah, so I took a very different journey. I, I went to Catholic High School. I graduated in 2000, and um, after graduating, went back as a coach. Coached wrestling there for five years while I was an undergrad at LSU, um, and then left the coaching profession for a little while. I went to law school. Uh, got my JD, uh, practiced law professionally for four years in New Orleans, and um, really had no thoughts to ever going back to high school athletics, was happy practicing law, and my wife, who's a physician, was finishing her residency, we were about an hour away in New Orleans, we knew we were coming back to Baton Rouge for her job, and the uh, the guy who was the AD before me, a guy named J.P. Kelly, who I'd known forever, um, I was sitting in the state wrestling tournament in New Orleans. He was sitting next to me. It was his first year as AD, and this is 10 years ago. And he just started on me from day one about, hey, man, you need to come back and coach. Come on. Come back to coach. You'd love teaching. You'd love the kids, you know. And I know how much you love coaching. And, you know, at first I kind of was like, JP, there is no way I'm giving up my law practice to go back and coach. And that was at probably 10 a.m. And by 10 p.m., 
you know, he had planted that seed. Um, and, and it was something I'd always loved to be around sports and, and loved coaching. And so I talked to my wife about it. And um, I was interviewing for firms here in Baton Rouge. And then I just kind of said, you know what? Why don't I just go and interview there? Why don't I go talk to them and see, you know, see if it's something I might be interested in. I actually interviewed who, who now is the assistant principal was my religion teacher when I was in school, a guy named Dr. Tom Eldrenhoff. And uh, it's a great experience. And he, you know, I left and he called me. I was five minutes out of the parking lot. He called me, said, the job's yours if you want it. Come back, teach government, come teach history, come coach wrestling. And uh, I did that. That was 2012. In 2016, they promoted me to the assistant athletic director under JP. I did that for five years. And then um, at the beginning of this year, they made me the athletic director. And so um, couldn't be happier. Um, still do some law stuff on the side, but couldn't be happier with, with my current job. Well, I, I cannot tell you, uh, th this happened to me quite a bit. I was uh, AD at uh, a number of private schools here in Florida for, uh, well, I guess three schools in, in 20 years. I don't know if it's as common in the public school experience, but uh, frequently parents would come in uh, and they would say, hi, my name is, you know, Bill Jones and I'm a lawyer. Uh, I, I would love to be able to have answered back, uh, well, I'm Jade Fonchier and I'm a lawyer too. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've had that experience yet, but uh, 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 tell me if that happens. You need to uh, you need to let me know uh, what their reaction yeah, so is. So it was, it was funny when I when I right when I got back to to teaching um, in 2012, we had a huge issue with our athletic uh, association down here in Louisiana. It was the first year of what we call the split, where the the select schools were put into a different category the non-select schools. And so right off the bat, I mean, I was there five minutes and they were like, Hey, you need to go. Can you, can you look, look at the legality of this and see if there's any case precedent on this kind of stuff and what are the other States doing? And so, you know, I went from, you know, I'm leaving my law practice to jumping right into another type of law practice. And so, and I, you know, I've done that pretty consistently on and off uh, for the last 10 years, uh, just dealing with the legal side of high school athletics, which you know, I'm sure, you know, is just, exploding right now with different things oh absolutely uh we live in as you know a litigious society and uh that, that must be a nice we'll talk about tools in the toolbox but i'm telling you that's got to be a great little tool to have in your toolbox uh that legal background for our listeners uh we're visiting today with ben de palma and he's the athletic director at catholic high school in baton rouge we're going to take a quick break, but we will be back. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Final Forms for their support of the podcast. Final Forms is the industry leader in registration, but you have to know this. Final Forms is more than just registration. It's a team, it's technology, and it's a service that serves schools in areas like compliance, communication, and even risk management. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility, has reminders for parents about policies and physicals and all the forms that go with athletics. Final forms can help with team communication, can help with attendance and even certification management for coaches. And for ADs, final forms can help with eligibility, with rosters and all the reports that you have to deal with. And it does this using secure language translation and ADA compliance. You know, it's time for you to talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what Final Forms can do for you and your program, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. One more time, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake and get started 
on the final forms road. We're back with Ben De Palma from Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ben, you shared that you were an assistant AD for a while, but this is your first year as you know the man, the full-time AD. Um, what has been uh, some of the things that maybe has been surprising about the job? Uh, it's always different when you know you're you're suddenly you know the AD. Uh, anything to share with our listeners? I mean, I think I went from being in a position where things were delegated to me. Um, so, I, you know, as the assistant AD, you know, I was there. My, I reviewed my job as I need to make my athletic director's job easier, um, which was so I handled things like our filming. I was the huddle administrator. Um, I ran our concession stands. We, we order in our food from a supplier. So that way um, our coaches don't have to do that. Um, and I helped a lot with our, with our internet broadcast. Um, and then I did some stuff with bylaw interpretation of our association. Um, so again, I was getting delegated things. I was still coaching. I was still in the classroom. So it was, it was very much a part-time deal. Um, and then when I moved up to AD, you know, my, my focus shifted. And now I view myself as the delegator um, or, you know, really I view myself as being the culture warrior, right? So I guess, I look at it from a more of a macro perspective as the AD of, you know, I want to have the best people doing their jobs and my job is to keep our culture what it needs to be, as opposed to the assistant AD where I am definitely taking things off of other people's plate so they can focus on things like culture and, and the, the bigger picture at the school. You know, you, you talk about culture and uh, was just on an interview with another AD who had done a really cool job of, of changing and building and, and, uh, uh, helping that culture thrive. Um, what was the situation at Catholic uh, when you came on? Uh, and, I'll, and I'll put it on uh, two extremes, which don't exist. Uh, the culture was a complete train wreck and, and you had to come in and, and you know, rebuild coaches' self-esteem, student self-esteem. So that's one end of it. Or, you know, every single team had maximum rosters, was winning district and regional championships every year. Parents were happy. There were no complaints. You know, where was the culture when, when you took over and, and maybe what was one or two things you did to, to maybe tweak it? Um, so we're very fortunate. Um, I was definitely uh, closer to the second one. I'm obviously not 100% parents happy, but we have a great parent base. Um, we've been very, very successful in the state of Louisiana. We've won 102 state championships in the school's history. Most of those have come in the last 20 years. Um, you know, we've we have we've really set, I believe, the, the benchmark for high school athletics in our state. Um, and um, that was before I got here. And so I inherited that. Right. Um, and and just be very fortunate. And so one of the things from a culture standpoint that we also are very lucky at my school is that we have a what we like to define as a single culture in the school. So, you know, I feel like a lot of places you have an athletic culture and maybe an academic culture and maybe an right. extracurricular culture that are different. Um, we're run by a private Catholic order, the brothers of the sacred heart and what they've done. And they've been running schools for over 200 years. And so what we simply do in athletics is we take their culture and we overlay their templates for how you run a school. And we just put that into our athletics department. And so it, it may sound funny that, you know, the way a teacher is supposed to behave in a classroom with the students is the way I expect my coaches to behave with their athletes on the field. And the way we communicate with our colleagues and parents in the classroom, that's the way we're going to communicate with our colleagues and parents, you know, in the gym, and, you know, wherever that might be in athletics. Um, and so, again, like I, I took a view of it as don't reinvent the wheel. 
um, you know, the wheels running just fine. And so uh, my, again, my job is really just to make sure that that culture sustains. It's not my culture, right? I'm just kind of the, I'm just kind of the, the flag bearer for it for a little while. You bring up a great point. I think many times um, uh, a school might be doing a, a, a good job, even a great job with all the things that a school does, but in the athletic department, um, they have that group of coaches, that athletic director, and things, it, it's really a source of pride. And the school ends up adopting what the athletic department has done uh, to do it school-wide. When that happens, you really know as an AD, you know, you've hit a home run. But, you know, the, the template that you just suggested, uh, I, I think might be um, – a better way to do it. You know, the entire school is doing it this way. And as you mentioned, a little bit of success, 200 years, uh, you know, why don't, why don't uh, we in athletics adopt that? So a uh, very interesting uh, perspective. Okay. Is that yeah, what we tell guess? Our, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. What we tell our parents is this, you know, we have, we have meetings for our, our incoming freshmen. We have a small eighth grade as well. So any incoming student will have a meeting the spring before. And, and something I always tell the parents is this you're, your son, unfortunately, in, in, in the world is going to get thousands of mixed messages in society. And kids are always going to take the easiest message because that's what kids do. And our job is to, to, to kind of train them out of that. And what we want to do inside the walls of our school is to have a single message, right? It's not a mixed message. It's not two adults telling them to do two separate things. A kid should be able to go from their math class to band or from their art class to the wrestling room. And that message from the adults should be the exact same thing. And that is, you know, look, we're going to give you the resources to succeed. Um, and what we're really looking for is attitude and effort, developing family ties with your teammates, uh, love and trusting your coach, right? And really sacrificing for your school. You do those things, you know, the, the results take care of themselves, right? The A's and the, the, the awards and academics will take care of themselves, the sweepstakes for choir and band will take care of themselves. The state champions will take care of themselves if you have the defined culture and the kids buy in. And, and luckily for us, you know, look, it's never going to be 100%, but most of our kids and most of our parents, I think, buy into what we're trying to do at our school. And that goes from the classroom again to the club, student council, to the athletic field. Yeah, that buy-in again, you know, culture buy-in, you know, they, they just go hand in hand. Great stuff. For our listeners, uh, we're visiting today with Ben De Palma. He's the athletic director at Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're going to take another break, but please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Huddle. Remember at Huddle, we power sports. Over 200,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate the performance of their athletes using video and analytics. Huddle is the complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras like the Huddle Focus. There's always been analytics, but there's a whole lot more. Huddle is also built for every level of play, from club and youth programs all the way through high school and college teams. And even the pros use Huddle to help their teams play at the highest level. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student-athletes, a lot of their parents and the coaches of the teams you're trying to get to recruit your kids. If you want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your program and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, 
We Power Sports. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting today with Ben De Palma from Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ben, um, in our profession, you kind of alluded to it, you know, leadership and mentorship are just so important. And I always like to ask, who were some of your mentors? Uh, maybe, you know, family members or coaches you had growing up or bosses. Uh, none of us get here on our own. So uh, who's helped you along the way? You know, there's a, there's a lot of people. Um, and I always, I always look at different stages of my life and what I learned. I mean, my dad was very influential on me growing up. He was a big sports guy and, and he was the dad that, you know, he coached everything. Um, I remember in eighth grade playing football, we had 12 guys on our football team and nobody had stepped up to coach. He was already our basketball coach. And he said, fine, I'll do it. You know, we went 0 and 6. It was, I think it, it, it was, it was hellacious for him. He was pulling his hair out, but he, you know, he just, he was always that guy that was, Hey, work hard. You know, we were never, our family's not big people. Um, we were kind of short and, and he was just like, look, you got to make it, you got to make a, a statement to coaches because your size it's not going to do it, right? So if you want to play football, you, you got to run harder and hit harder than anybody. You want to play basketball, you got to be the point guard and distribute, you know, because you're not going to be the guy in the box. And uh, and he was a wrestler as well, and he kind of pushed me into wrestling, which is kind of the, the sport that I fell in love with. Um, and so he was a huge influence. And then my wrestling coach, uh, Tommy Prohaska, Tommy was 23 years old when he got the head coaching job at Catholic when I was a sophomore. And so for him, he was a, he was a kid himself. And, um, you know, he built us from having a really bad year our first year to where we put three in the state finals the next year. And um, and he's just had an unbelievable career. He's still the head wrestling coach at Catholic. So now it's been it's been fun. I wrestled for him. I got to work for him. Now we work together. Um, and so um, he's he was tremendously influential in my life. And then another guy outside of, of kind of sports was a, a man named or a man named Charles Miranda. Um, you know, when I was in college, I, I managed a bar and restaurant in my, my parents' neighborhood, and he was the owner. And he was just this, you know, family-owned business owner. He spent 80 hours, 90 hours a week at the restaurant. Um, he, you know, but he put his family first. He somehow balanced the time there. And he was just really good at teaching me about dealing with people. Um, you know, I was 20 and thought I knew it all. And he was like, look, man, you can, you can come in here and think you know it all, or you can listen to me and learn and make some money. And, and, and I actually made relationships in that job. I had a federal judge that I made a relationship with that's, that wrote my recommendation to law school. I made people that I actually, ironically, two of my better customers have a kid at Catholic High now. And I saw them just the other day in a parent teacher conference. And she walked up and gave me a big hug and says, I can't believe that, you know, it's been 20 years since, since you were running that bar back there. And so, you know, I, I think in those stages, those were huge mentors. And then now today, I still have J.P. Kelly, the guy that was the AD before me, he's our advancement director. I mean, I call him twice a week. Hey, J.P., what, what would you do here? What do you think about this? Um, and then probably, I would honestly say the biggest influence on me right now in terms of my career is our principal, um, Lisa Harvey. You know, Lisa, we're an all-boys school, 1,150 boys. Lisa's the first female principal ever in the history of the school. And this is her 11th year, and she's a tough cookie. I mean, she's, we laugh, she's the most competitive person on campus. Um, and, um, she, she's taught me a lot in how to be patient, how to balance my emotions when dealing with people that maybe I don't think are doing the best thing they do. You know, she tells me all the time, you know, I will give a kid a thousand chances, right? I'm, I'm okay there. I'm very short, short patient with adults that I don't feel are doing their job. And she's the one that has kind of mentored me and, and taught me a little bit about being more patient and giving adults opportunities to improve as well. 
And so, uh, yeah, I'd say all, all five of those people have been transformational in my life. Again, people that listen to the podcast, they hear me say the same thing, but it's true. I just love hearing, you know, the stories and, and the people that have helped us you know, along the way. Uh, it's so true. We don't get here by ourselves. Uh, ben, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording and, you know, you were an assistant AD for five years. Now you're the head AD, but you're just kind of getting started with your journey uh, with NIAAA. So uh, I think it's important for our younger ADs, uh, newer ADs too, you know, to hear about those journeys. Uh, you know, tell us what's happening with you. Yeah. So the first thing I did, I mean, I was, I started in May of last year and within five weeks, I joined uh, the NIAAA. Uh, I got, went ahead and got registered. Um, you know, and I'm starting to look at the classes and things like that. Unfortunately, during the school year, it's just time-wise, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm making plans for the summer to really devote and block off some time to get some of those core classes down. And then from there, work my way up. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in, in continuing education. You know, I've got a couple of advanced degrees, an undergrad degree. And I tell kids all the time, like, you should never really stop learning. Um, you know, I was, I like to feel that I'm, I'm, I'm more knowledgeable now than I was 10 years ago. And I know that in 10 more years, I'll be more knowledgeable. You got it. You got to get there somehow. Um, and so, uh, you know, try to get my hands on everything I can. I, you know, I, I came across your book, an, an older AD here in, in Louisiana kind of mentioned you and I found it. And so I'm going to read that. And so I try to get the, you know, get the magazines from the athletic director associations about, you know, just different things, whether it's facility management, right. Or, or dealing with, you know, legal issues that are coming up in high school athletics, just read as much as possible. And I know that's really tough given the job, but I try to devote 30 minutes to an hour twice a week and just sit in my office and read something um, that's going to make me a better athletic director. Yeah. Again, very important. Uh, I, I still remember I got involved with our state association and NIAAA later in my career. I'd been an AD and a head football coach, uh, probably in reverse order. Uh, for a number of years. And uh, when I took a position as an AD only at a school, um, long story short, uh, that year was my first uh, uh, LTI course. And I just got sucked in right away. Uh, it was during the summer. Uh, I came home, I went online, I signed up for the rest of the, the uh, required courses to get that CAA. And I completed those September, October, November, and December. I flew to Dallas for my uh, first national conference. And uh, that was the start of a, 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 I guess, a 13 year and growing uh, uh, career with NIAAA, uh, gotten committees, teach courses. So uh, uh, I'm just letting you know, you take that first course, uh, you're going to get sucked in too. And thanks for the shout out for the book. Um, and um, you are going to be in the second edition of the Athletic Director's Toolbox, which is scheduled to come out uh, probably first or second week in July. So uh, again, thanks a lot. Um, we've been visiting and we still are with Ben De Palma. He's the Athletic Director at Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're gonna take another break here from one of our sponsors, but we will be back with more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thank you to Sideline Interactive for their support of the podcast. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year and also create excitement in the gym with the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com 
or call them at 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting with Ben De Palma from Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, ben, this is the time where we um, we try to share some best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What are some things that you know you do at Catholic that when you take a step back, uh, you can say, "Boy, we really do a great job with this." You already talked about the culture, uh, so I'm sure that might work into it. But what are some best practices you can share with our listeners? Um, I mean, again, and, and I hate to, to sound like I'm talking up about culture, but, you know, and it's not my culture, but we, we again, we try to do our four pillars of, of education and everything we do. And, um, you know, the first one we start off with, we're, we're a Catholic school. And so we always start there. And that's, you know, Christianity and Catholicism and infusing spirituality into our guys. Um, you know, my coaches, we require them. They pray before every practice. They pray at the end of every practice. We do a team retreat. Every team goes on their own retreat away from their class. Um, we do, um, you know, a lot of our coaches will use Bible study or scripture or, or Christian readings to try to motivate, right? So we try to really infuse Catholicism into our athletic programs. Uh, our second pillar is we call it academic excellence, but it's really excellence in all things. And we, we tell the kids that that doesn't mean that you're always going to be the state champion or the straight A student. For us, excellence is maximizing your potential, right? You might be the guy that has got to be the role player in basketball, or you maybe you're the, you're the guy that pushes everybody in practice and never starts a game. And that might be maximizing your potential. What we want you to do is absolutely get to the top on that. Push yourself as hard as you can to get there because ultimately God gives us all gifts. We have to maximize those gifts and everybody's gifts are different, right? The third thing is friendly discipline. And that's a really contradictory term to a lot of people, but we say that, look, boys need discipline. All teenagers need discipline. But we should always respect the dignity of the person that we're disciplining. So, you know, I, I have to jump on kids all the time. But when I do it, you know, I don't ever want to yell at a kid or fuss at a kid in public. I try to pull them aside and I explain them, listen, you know, you're wrong here. And let me tell you why you're wrong. But here are the things that you can do to rectify. And one thing I always tell my coaches, you know, coaches get, get fired up in the heat of the moment. I say there should always be a comeback within, you know, one minute to two minutes. So you jump on a kid, it's a basketball game. He makes a turnover or whatever. And you, and look, you might, you might have every right to jump on that kid. They're not focused and they're not paying attention. Make sure you got that comeback within one or two minutes where you walk back down the bench and say, Hey, it's fine. Let's flush it. Let's move on. Right. We still believe you. We still trust in your ability. Um, right. So that's, that's the third pillar. Right. And so it, those pillars really are the foundation of our school. Right. And so, we want to make sure that that's infused everywhere. It's infused everywhere. And so I infuse it with my coaches. So I'd say that would be the biggest thing in terms of the best practices is just keeping those principles in the forefront. No, absolutely. Uh, and it ties in very well with, you know, what you said earlier about the culture. Um, coach, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and uh, pick your brain a little bit, find out some more, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Uh, probably email. So it's, it's my name, B, uh, De Palma, D-I-P-A-L-M-A, at catholichigh.org. Okay, it's getting B-D-I-P-A-L-M-A at catholichigh.org. Usually the best way to reach me. 
Ben De Palma, Catholic High. We're going to be back with some more, but let's take another quick break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they are on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They've got a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles and an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or learn more and get started with your digital Wall of Fame tribute. Call them at 614-981-3589 or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. Welcome back, everyone. Again, we're visiting with Ben De Palma, the athletic director at Catholic High School in Baton Rouge. Uh, ben, um, one of the questions that we've been asking our ADs uh, has to do with this idea of toughness. A uh, hundred years ago, when I was in high school, uh, it was very common for you know my coaches to say things like, you know, come on, uh, you know, team, you got to be tough, or come on, Jake, you got to suck it up, and we knew what they meant. Um, I think in the many years since then, we've learned better ways to communicate those ideas to kids. Um, but toughness is and remains, uh, at least in my opinion, such an important part of athletics and of life. So my question is, you know, how can we as leaders help kids? to develop toughness while also being uh, sensitive to and aware of the, the challenges that a Generation Z kid is experiencing. Uh, do you have any advice for us? Yeah, you know, so coming up in the 90s in wrestling, you know, it was a big thing going to wrestling camps in Iowa University, Dan Gable and those guys, and seeing kind of the pillars of what people would consider toughness. And, you know, and when I look back now and I see this with them, and I think we, we frame this conversation wrong from the get-go by talking about toughness. Um, I think that it's when you talk about toughness, what you're doing is individualizing a characteristic of a kid. And what I want kids to do is to not think about me or them. I want them to think about others. And I want to go from being tough to being selfless. I think a better word for toughness is selflessness. Um, you know, things are going to get really hard in sports and in life. And what I want kids to do is shift the mentality from, well, I'm trying to get tougher to do this for me. And no, I want to be selfless and do it for my teammates, you know, do it for my school. Right. So, I, you know, being a wrestling coach, this is kind of where I go to, but practices get really hard. Well, how, how hard do you want to push for that guy next to you? Right. Because it's easy to quit. I always find that it's easy for kids to quit on themselves. Like if they make it about them, right. It's easy to quit. But if, if you say, look, I don't think about you in this situation. Think about all those guys that have put all the hours in. Y'all, y'all bled all over the mat, sweated, cut the weight, whatever you got to do. Like, do you want to do you want to stop what you're doing now and harm them? Right. I think that it's always easier to achieve things when we achieve things for other people and not ourselves. And I think that if we start to reframe how we talk about mental health and toughness with some of our kids, as you know. Think of it less about a you thing and think of it more about an us thing, right? You know, and you can do that for any sport, football, basketball, lacrosse. It doesn't even, it doesn't matter. If you can get a kid to buy in and say, I'm not going to worry about what I feel. I'm going to worry about my companionship 
and what I owe to my teammates, right? Not to the coaches, because I think that's even a wrong step is to say, do it for me. Don't do it for me. Do it for each other, right? And I, I look back, my best friends, right, to this day are the guys that I wrestled with growing up because you just share a bond that's just unbreakable. Like you just did stuff that was so miserable, right? That you look back and say, well, you know, we did all that together. And so now this, the next part of our life is easy. Um, and so I think that carries over to every situation. It doesn't need to be sports, right? I mean, you get kids that are in calculus AP. That's, that's tough. That's miserable, right? Are you going to stop in, in March? Well, no, because you, you've been working with the guys in your class for, for seven months. So don't do it for you. Do it for them. Finish it out for them. The other thing I think about is, you know, it's something that, that uh, we were talking about mentors earlier that Coach Tommy Prohaska has always said, and he's right. He's like, when you let a kid quit on themselves once, it becomes easier for them to do it again and again and again, right? And we see it all the time. Kids, sophomore, hey, coach, quits midseason, right? I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go play lacrosse or I'm going to go do whatever, right? And the next thing you know, they've quit that thing. And then they quit the next thing, right? And I just, I, I believe that as adults, we have a responsibility to our kids to say, listen, it's okay. Like, we're not, I'm not downplaying your feelings. Like, I'm sure you are suffering and it's tough, but, but I want you to understand the big view. Right. Right now, you're looking at things in a very short temporal manner. You're looking at this is miserable now and I want to be out of it. What I want you to look at is I want you to survive through it and, and, and push through the obstacles because it's going to make you a better person on the back end. And it's not the hardest thing you're ever going to go through in your life. Right. You know, when you're and I remember 16, 17, 18, you know, you're, it's a small world and you think, man, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Or this is the toughest thing that could ever happen to me. And you get to be 30 and you're like, that's not even the top 20 things. That was the toughest thing I ever went through. Right. And so, you know, sports to me is a training ground. It's a breeding ground for making adults. Um, I tell the parents all the time, we, we probably have more professional athletes um, from Catholic high school than maybe any other, any other high school in Louisiana, save a few, St. Aug. You know, there's a couple of schools that we have a lot, right? We, we got guys in the NFL, guys in Major League Baseball, right? And I tell parents all the time, the chances of your kid ever making a dollar off of sports is less than one. It's way less than one, right? So what are we doing here? Are we, are we training them to make money in sports? No. What we're training your kids to do is that we want them to learn that, learn the skills, learn to overcome obstacles, learn to overcome adversity so that when something happens and they're four years old and they've got kids of their own and a wife of their own, they've got to take care of, they can look back and say, I've already done stuff like this. I can get through this. I'm okay. It's not the end of the world, right? I think that's really why, that's why sports are great. Not because, I mean, they're fun and they're competitive, but they're the best breeding ground for making adults that can overcome adversity, right? And can be dependable in the long run. Well, great stuff. I love the idea about, you know, kind of reframing, using different terminology, you know, using the team and others uh, and not making it self-centered. Very cool stuff. Uh, ben, this has been uh, one of my favorite interviews here for a while, uh, but we're not done yet. Um, in just a minute, uh, I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director. You know what that's like uh, on their very first job. Uh, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox uh, in our athletic director toolbox segment sponsored by athletic surveys. So we're going to take a break here from athletic surveys. But when we come back, we're going to find out what Ben De Palma is going to put in his athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us. 
We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the Athletic Director Toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve just about every aspect of your program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also gives the 95% of the parents and the student-athletes who really love your program a voice. And it helps demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials. And then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466. Or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out on a great opportunity. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them show you how to take your athletic program from good to great. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Again, we've been visiting with Ben De Palma. He's the athletic director at Catholic High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's been a great chat, but now uh, it's time to find out what Ben De Palma is going to put into his athletic director toolbox. Ben, what do you got for us? Um, so again, I'm, I'm, I'm brand new at this. So it's kind of stuff that I constantly remind myself to try to do uh, that I think will work in the long run. Um, so the, the first thing that I always do is, or I try to always do is what I call the three to one rule. Um, and that is when I have a coach in my office um, and I'm talking about whatever it might be, um, like we're going through evaluations right now, end of the year evaluations with our head coaches. Um, the three to one rule tells me that I should be listening three times to the amount of times that I speak. Um, For every one minute that I'm speaking, I should be listening for three minutes because I find that a lot of times, a lot of the problems or the issues that we might have to work on with our our coaching staff, they already know the answers. And and when you let them talk through it, they they know what it is and they know what they got to do. And so I think a lot of times that me talking gets in the way of that process of getting better. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of the lead the horse to water type deal. Let them talk three minutes to your one minute of talking. So that'd be the the, the first thing I'd put in that toolkit. Um, The second thing, and this, this might be this, this, it's an argument between this one and the last one, whether this is the most important thing, but we always say that we're going to be hundred percent kids first. Um, Every decision that we're going to make at our school is going to put the best interest of our kids first, not the adults, not the staff, not the faculty, not the parents, not the association, right? We're always going to do what's best for that kid, even if it's unpopular with everybody else. And so one way I try to model that is that I always tell the kids at our school that if you need me, if you need to talk to me about anything, I'll kick whoever's in my office out. So I've had kids come up to my office and say, hey, coach, I need you to fill out this form for the NCAA. And I might have a coach in there and I say, coach, step outside for a few minutes because I got to handle this. Um, it's just a way to model that, that I want to put that kid's priorities ahead of any of the adults on campus. Um, and I think that we had talked a little bit about being selfless um, in, in the past. And I think that's the way you model that to those kids. I think you want those kids to bind and, and, and let them know that you believe in them. And so one of the ways you do that is you tell them, look, I tell you all the time, you're the number one priority, not your mom and dad, not your coach, not your teacher. You are the number one priority. And so I'm going to make time for you when you really have a problem. And I think the last thing, it's something I try to remind myself, and I, I'm not great at it yet. Um, it's just to be incredibly gracious. Um, you know, 
I've got the best job in the world. I mean, I get to deal with high school athletics as a job. Somebody pays me to run high school sports programs. Um, and I think sometimes we get so busy that we forget to, to stop and thank all the people that, that make that happen. And so like one of the things we do is we have a staff meeting uh, every Wednesday morning. Um, so I mean, I'm sorry, every, the first Wednesday of every month, our entire athletic department meets and we go through the stuff for the month. Like here's the updates on these teams. Hey, here's what's going on with the association. You know, here's the NIL stuff or whatever it might be. Um, and the last thing on that agenda that I always have is gratitude. And I, I tell my coaches, like, look, I can't thank you enough for what you do. Like, I can't pay you what you're worth, okay? Um, I can't give you what you need. I can't give you everything you need. All I can tell you is that you're doing, you're doing God's work, right? You're molding kids for the future. And all I can tell you is that I'm extremely grateful for that. Try to tell it to my wife, like, you know, thank you for allowing me to do this job, right? And I think that, that again, that models behavior for our kids to think outside of themselves and be, be thankful for all the, the gifts that you're given. Um, I think we dwell on the negative and just being gracious and, and making a concerted effort to be gracious. Um, I think that really helps with not only your mental state, but your, your happiness in life. Um, and that it, it makes that, that stressful part of those jobs not as stressful. Wow. Great stuff. I really appreciate you sharing the part about, uh, you know, the gratitude, you know, the so often, you know, kids, parents, coaches, even ADs, you know, can focus on, you know, what you don't have. And if you just look around, you know, there are so many blessings there that we have. Uh, great stuff. Yeah. Believe it or not. Like I also, I think with that graciousness to add on that, like you gotta be grateful for your parents. We're in a great system where I'm from tremendous support from our parents. I'd like to tell you a quick story. We flew up. So I'm, I've been the AD for five minutes and we are getting on a plane to fly and play our first football game right outside of Washington, DC. Um, so we had to, you know, my staff had to get together this basic college trip, charter a flight, hotels, the whole deal. It was, it was a lot of work. And our parents were so great in that process, making that happen. We had a hurricane come through Louisiana four days before we left to where we didn't even know we were going to be able to go on this trip. And the output from the parents was like, no, we need to do this. We need to, again, show these kids that no matter what the setback is, you keep moving forward. And so we flew up to Maryland, right? We stayed in DC, we win the game. Um, and I just remember at the fourth quarter, like just walking up to some of the dads and just being like, thank you. Because you guys, it wasn't really me, but the parents are the ones that made that happen. And we had this great experience, I think, and we ended up winning a state title in football. And I'm not saying it's because of that, but I think that that set the wheels in motion for just a, a, a relationship between the school and the parents that say, look, we're in this together for, for this kid. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the, the parents that we have at Catholic High. Wow. Great, great stuff. Um, ben De Palma, uh, once again, if one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain a little bit, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, just my email, B De Palma, that's D-I-P-A-L-M-A at catholichigh.org. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and all the best uh, moving forward with uh, the teams at Catholic High. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for all you do for pushing high school uh, sports forward. Oh, gosh. Uh, right back at you, sir. For our listeners, um, the Zoom recordings of all of our interviews are being uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back again next time on just about every single day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast.
And before we go, we want to say thank you to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can find out more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you by going to hometownticketing.com and talk to their professionals. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. We are closing in on our 300th interview, uh, which means we've got a second round of 150 interviews to go into the Athletic Director's Toolbox second edition. Uh, for anyone who is still listening and you haven't fast forward, uh, for the first person that uh, sends me a uh, text to 305-218-1325, uh, I'll Venmo you $50 as a bonus for listening all the way through this podcast. Uh, that's from our book proceeds. Uh, we want to try to give back to uh, our listeners and our supporters. Uh, so again, shoot me that text. The first person that sends me that text uh, will Venmo uh, $50. Thanks a lot.